There once was a man from Nantucket. Ooh, that's a good one. That's how we're gonna open. Awesome. <laughs> we could do the whole show in Limericks. Ooh, that would like. be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Would, I think it'd go over yeah, a lot of people's heads, though. Well, the real problem is it would take an hour and we'd have like seven things by the end of it. That's like, true. Welcome, everybody, to Slip Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot. I'm Adam Jabay. What's happening, man? What's going on? Today we have a super, super special guest um, that I'm super excited about. He's been on the show before. We ran into him at PRI, and he told us about a new program that was coming up, but had not been announced just yet. Uh, on the show today, returning, Mr. Hayward Wagner from the SECA. How's it going, Hayward? Great. How are you guys? Doing wonderful, man. So great to have you back. Um, you know, Adam and I ran into you back in December. Uh, at least I know I did um, at the I think at the Hoosier booth. Um, but it was really, yeah, I, really I, good to see you. I, I talked to him in the in the uh, in the Honda booth, actually, myself. So. OK, yeah. nice. Yeah. So but so all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Short, short story. If you want to find me at a trade show, look for sticky tires or Hondas. That's, that's a pretty <laughs> good. Uh, <laughs> That that's that is what I refer to as my natural habitat. So makes a lot of sense. So well, you know, welcome back. Um, SCCA has had a uh, a number of changes over the past couple of years. Last time we had you on was right before the start of the Track Night in America program going nationally for a whole season. Um, so we kind of left off there last time we talked to you. Uh, I know that program's been been doing really well. Do you want to you know tell us about? what's been going on internally with the SECA? Yeah, I, I'd love to give you guys a kind of a quick walkthrough. Um, we actually just walked out of a meeting that was uh, a 2018 track night communications meeting. So we're getting everything squared away for a 2018 season, which will be our fourth season uh, with track night. Um, 2015 uh, was our first year. We had about 89 events that year, about 4,500, 4,700 participations. Uh, last year, we were about 120 events and about 7,500 participations. So uh, over the three years, the program hasn't quite doubled yet uh, in participation, but we may see that this year. And uh, it's just been, it's been a super exciting program for us. We're uh, 132 uh, events on the calendar right now for 2018 at 32 different tracks around the country. Wow. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's... <laughs> so many I'm, I'm super 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 appreciative of uh jennifer and john who handle all of the logistics and staffing for this program and uh we'll talk about some other stuff in a moment that john uh, has his hands on but it's i think what people don't always realize about track night is that from a clock in every day at work full-time employee status um, there's really two people that kind of hold that program together with uh, three or four other people around them that are providing support. Um, and one of those two people that kind of holds the program together, uh, it's about half of his job. So it, it's it's a and then, of course, once you get into the field, we have hundreds of people that help us with coaching and, and stuff. But it's a it's a pretty tight ship. Uh, it's, uh, I, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to help at one of them uh, doing trackside coaching last year. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, I, I thought it was a really cool program, uh, really well ran, and uh, nothing but smiles. I almost got hit by an exploding drive shaft when a car passed us on, at Blackhawk Farms. But other than that, super incident-free. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been a really interesting experiment for us as an organization because – SCCA has been really defined um, for at least the last 40 years, and, and you can go further back than that, but we've really been defined as a, as a competition organization. And when you talk about SCCA and history, you're talking about the runoffs, you're talking about solo nationals, you're talking about national championships. Um, those are the things that def tend to define our organization and, and have defined our organization. And, you know, I, it's really cool in my role. I get to talk to a lot of people who've been around the club for a long time, and I grew up in the club. Um, and all those conversations tend to start with a, a proving of oneself by what that person has won or what that person has done. Well, I was the champion of this and this year. I was on this committee and whatnot. And, and Track Night really kind of sought to create a completely counter opportunity for how you experience SCCA, where your experience was completely about just having an opportunity to get on a track. And um, 
you know, we've had close to 17, we had 17,500 participation so far in that program. Um, and what has started to happen is we're starting to see that concept of deliver a great experience and everything kind of falls into place, become something that is starting to get involved in other parts of the organization. Um, and I think uh, there also have been things in the organization that ran concurrently to that that have had a similar effect. So uh, I don't think that the Indianapolis runoffs necessarily learned anything from track night, but the Indianapolis runoffs and how it was uh, executed provided a more experiential minded runoffs than we've ever had before. And part of that was the mystique of the track. Uh, part of that was the kind of the level of, you know, the paddock at the runoffs this year. Uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway is intended for 33 cars uh, for the month of May. We did 969 cars for seven to 10 days. Um, that was kind of an impromptu team building experience for all of our membership that was there to figure out how to rack and stack this paddock and, and, and the staff coming in and, and making all those things happen. So I think that what I'm seeing now in my – I'm about to start my fifth year uh, here at the national office, and, and I'm really seeing kind of that culture that track night projects of have fun with your car, uh, just enjoy this for what it is, enjoy this for yourself as opposed to trying to prove something. Um, that's popping up in all kinds of interesting places in the club. So it's been it's been a really exciting time to be – uh, heavily connected to the to the high level decision making of the organization as all these things have kind of come together. Yeah, you know, it, it seems like it's really kind of rejuvenated the SECA in some people's minds that may have not had experience with the organization before. You know, you go on the forums and you go on some of the, like the racing competition sections, uh, you know, for each specific chassis, and you have people talking about going to SECA track night events and things like that. Which before, you know, you get some of the the road racers talking about it and some of the autocross people, but other than that, it really was wasn't something that, that people talked about as far as an organization goes. Yeah. And it was really, you know, we were super late to the game in, in that world. And I think that because we were late to the game, um, we had to do something to differentiate ourselves. Um, and that's kind of where the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, four hour program idea came from was what, you know, people doing track days on the weekend, it's pretty much on lockdown. People have that figured out. What can we do to differentiate ourselves? What can we do to make ourselves different? Um, but it's also created a space for people who don't have a whole weekend to give and people who uh, don't have the budget required for to buy into a weekend event. They want to do it uh, a little bit less cost. And so uh, it's, it's just it's been interesting. One, one of the key stats in all this um, that I'll share with you guys is um, we launched track night on March 15th, 2015. And if you measure from March 15th to 2015, to December 31st, 2017, in that window of time, which is about uh, uh, two and three quarter years, 22% um, of new SCCA members have some connection to Track Night in America. Wow. Um, cool. So it, it's we're getting more and more of our club, um, or the, the new members in that period, more and more people getting involved that are having a Track Night experience or discovering us for Track Night or starting with Track Night or any of those types of things. So it's, it's been a big project for us. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost, you know, it's it's laying the groundwork for the next 5, 10, 15 years for the SECA. So, you know, that's what I'm that's what I think personally I'm most excited about about watching is seeing, you know, all the hard work that you guys have put in now, how it's going to affect the organization in the long run. Yeah, and, and, and the the culture change, you know, to make it more about fun and less about, you know, six people go home super happy and everybody else is like, man, I got to rebuild everything. I didn't win. You know, um, it, uh, the, the fun aspect can't be forgotten in this hobby because this hobby is too hard to not have fun, you know? Yeah. And that's something that I, that I preach a lot. Um, you stole my line, by the way, the, uh, the six people going unhappy and everybody else grumpy as opposed to everyone having a good time. <laughs> so I, I just want to, just want to tag that but for me uh, yeah 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 i might have stolen that from you because you might have told it to me in person a few weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> um but i uh you know it, it's bigger than just that part of the equation you know i think that one of the things that scca gets kind of knocked for from time to time probably justifiably so is that our officials sometimes are, are maybe not the most customer friendly folks in the world and and that does happen in organizations 
situation. And, and there's a couple of reasons for it. Um, but one of the big ones I think is that, um, you know, a lot of people in SCCA feel like they have to show up at the track for an event to show up for an event to happen in an organization that they are personally invested in. And so it starts to feel like an obligation like a requirement and and maybe not like they're having a really great time or doing it because it's a really great time. And so one of the things that I talk about a lot in the organization is the idea that this the sport in its entirety is elective. Nobody is required to show up at an SCCA event. There's no SCCA event that absolutely has to have that one person there. And if there is, then we have a significant problem in our training and development programming programs. So, you know, to me, what I, you know, my house on the hill, my dream for SDCA long term is that we never have an event where an official or a worker or a driver or anybody is feeling like they have to be there for that. Because for us to have the experience that we want everybody to have, um, everybody needs to be aware that this is a choice and this is something you're choosing to do because it's fun and because you enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it and it's not fun for you, then you need to choose something else to do. And so, yeah, that, that equation of if you have 24 classes and 24 people win, but there's another 960-something people at the runoffs, you send 24 home happy and you send everybody else home at best scratching their head and sometimes really frustrated, um, that's, that's motorsports, that's racing. And, and we need to have things that offer a different value proposition to the entire field. And that's what Track Night in America and Track Events is for. But in addition to that, we need to build a culture in SCCA where if this isn't fun for you, let's find something else for you to do. Right. You know, I I kind of like to equate that to something like, um, you know, like when everybody goes to um, to Lincoln for for solo nationals, you know. Everybody that signs up for that class would like to win, but most of them, you know, realize that they're not going to. They're there more for the, you know, for the fun and for the experience of being at the event. Meanwhile, there might be, you know, a quarter of the class that might feel like they're competitive enough to be able to win. So, you know, there's something more than just going, you know, to an event expecting to be able to be competitive um, to a lot of the events. Yeah, I think Nationals is a great example of getting it right. So the Nationals is. Um, and I, I also want to underline the Indy runoffs was also a great example of getting it right. But solo nationals has built the, the autocross community has built a culture around the national championship event where you're going to have 1300, 1350 people show up every year. And really and truly, there's probably 200, 250, maybe 300 that are there legitimately trying to win. And then there's probably another six or 700 that are trying to get a trophy. And we can talk about the politics of trophy counts in autocross, if that feels like an important topic to you guys. But, um, you know, there are a lot of trophies available uh, and probably, you know, a a significant percentage of the population, more than half, really want to get a trophy. And then there's probably a quarter of the population that they're going to take their runs. um, They're going to, you know. They're, they're there for the autocross as well. But that second population, the guys that would really like to have a trophy, the, the men and women, and then the men and women who are there just to have fun, have really embraced this idea that Solo Nationals is an amazing tailgate party with an adjacent autocross. Right. And, <laughs> and you know, that to me, that's the SCCA experience. If you go back to our history, if you look at the runoffs at Road Atlanta in the 70s and 80s, if you look at uh, the history of solo nationals. If you look at all, if you talk to people that were at these types of events, um, there's some stories that involve competition, but most of the stories involve what happened in the evenings, what the struggle to get to the event, the, you know, the, yeah, yeah. so-and-so borrowed so-and-so's engine, like those, those things. And those are all cultural. Those are all yeah. experience driven. Um, yeah, some some of the best uh, st- racer stories we've ever had on the podcast don't revolve around you know I beat the crap out of what's his face on the track. You know, it's it's usually about you know the 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 battle of attrition just to finish the yeah. thing or to get there. It's like know? remember that time we drove four hours through the night to pick an engine up and came back and swapped it and finally got done at eight in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah stuff I, like that. I I hold firmly to the philosophy that if you look at it from the right perspective. Everything results in either a good story or success, and rarely does it result in both. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yep. 
So no, it, it almost reminds me of like what singer songwriters say when they're like dating women. You know, if they can get a good song out of it, it really doesn't matter how the relationship ends. You know, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So well, awesome. Um, well, you guys. Oh, go ahead, Adam. Sorry. I was going to say the, the, the next, the next uh, place for, for people to create good stories, uh, might be this, this new event. Um, can you tell, tell us a little bit about the, the creation of, uh, this time trial nationals and, uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. It's a really interesting space to be in right now. Um, we, uh, <clears throat> the, the SCCA board of directors has kind of given staff the opportunity to kind of white sheet the time trials nationals concept. And, and it started with a rebrand of time trials. We had some kind of confusing language around, we had this track program called PDX, which, uh, doesn't really tell you what it is. And, uh, it was lumped into the time trials program, but it wasn't timed. And inside of time trials, we had a couple of different products that looked alike. And then there was hill climb, that was just kind of this super rad thing, but was not fitting in this box. And so we kind of tore that box up and we rebranded our PDX program as track events. We are holding the branding of time trials, uh, for on track timed events. And then we're going to put hill climb kind of in its own box, um, because it's super rad. And it was actually the only thing in this category that had its branding, right. Um, and then, kind of coming out of that, we have track night in America to point to for track events, as far as a space that the national leadership of the organization can show the, the world how SCCA can do, uh, track events. And that gives regions an opportunity to look at that track night in America model and say, okay, we want to take this part from track night, but we want to put our own special sauce on this other part. But there's a, there's a, there's a beacon. There's something out there that people can look at. And hill climbing is so specific to its location and its organization that trying to build a beacon there doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But in the middle, we have time trials, um, yeah. which has some involvement in other in parts of the country. There's some cool stuff going on in Texas, and there's a, a longstanding program in uh, the southeast and, and some stuff out west. But there is no guide – has not been a guiding light for time trials. There's not been a – this is the model that if your region has never done a time trial event, you can copy and paste this model uh, and create build your program around it. And if you look at the success over the years of solo and auto cross in, in SCCA in the 60s, um, there was a lot of different interpretations on what autocross or solo or Gymkhana could be, should be, and was. And then you had um, things being done radically different in different parts of the country. And, and the solo national championship concept uh, was when we first started looking at writing a unified set of rules. And there was no mandate that regions or clubs would follow these rules. But over the years, that event has created a standard uh, for the sport. And that standard has, you know, if you really read these solo rule book it's rules for four days it's rules for the four days of competition in lincoln nebraska in september but you can apply those to any event you choose and so our, our mission with time trials nationals is to build a set of rules a, a, a standard for this program so that regions and, and that are not doing time trials currently don't have to invent their own wheel they can they can grab one of ours and and run with it all right. Now for, you know, for regions that are going to be starting uh, kind of regional events to, to help, you know, uh, get people prepared and things like that for the national event. I mean, will those be usually with their regular their regular like race weekends for wheel to wheel stuff or will they be tied with track night events or, or you know, uh, what's it going to be like? So I think, you know, if we really look at this objectively, um, Club racing is a full program. There's a lot going on in that program. And when you start talking about the variance of cars that we have in club racing and what's reasonable to put on track together, there's just not a lot of opportunity in a club race weekend in a typical region uh, to do more than what we're doing now. And so I think um, what we're trying to build is a program around track events and time trials uh, either together or, or independently where these programs have the strength to be able to stand on their own and have their own weekends. And we're, 
we're taking that approach um, with a couple of events this year. We've got one at Gingerman in April that's being co-hosted by a couple of different regions. Uh, South Bend is taking the lead, but I believe Detroit is also involved in it. And then there's one at Carolina Motorsports Park on Memorial Day weekend, a, a two-day event, just Saturday, Sunday. That's the North Carolina region, the South Carolina region, uh, and Atlanta region, um, with a couple of other regions providing support there. Um, but these are events where if you've never been on track before, if you have uh, a small amount of track experience, or if you're a seasoned track enthusiast, um, these events start with some practice sessions, some, some track event sessions where we can kind of monitor and coach folks that are new to this. It's just kind of a making sure everybody's good. Uh, that's Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon. We're going to do what's called, what we call a track cross, um, which if you are an autocrosser, it's basically autocross timing and scoring on a track. You have a start line, you have a finish line. Uh, it kind of models the, the design of hill climb, the one-at-a-time model. But that allows us to have a first day of this event where we can put people on track together in a non-competitive environment. We can put people on track by themselves in a competitive environment. And then by the end of that day, we can issue people that have displayed the behavior that we're looking for, uh, their SCCA novice permit for, ta for time trials. And then on Sunday, uh, we can do some 20-minute sessions where you're on track with other cars and you've got 20 minutes to put your best time in, um, and then another track cross Saturday afternoon. So it kind of gives us an opportunity to offer a couple of different styles of competition, some practice, some coaching, uh, a, a licensure process, um, probably a pretty good party, um, kind of <laughs> into one, one weekend, one experience. Um, without it being something that's trying to shoehorn its way into an existing culture. Right. No, I think for a lot of drivers, that's that's going to be a very attractive program for them. Yeah, and, and uh, if, if people haven't done standing start autocross style uh, runs on a track, it's it's really fun. Yeah, wow. I think that I, I think that the opportunity that I think a lot of people that have never autocrossed don't understand the adrenaline that's attached to a I have to do this right now. Uh, yeah. competition. It's not 20 minutes to get your best one in with another 20 minutes later in the day to try to get it. It's a, what can you do right now? And, and I think that that's, that's a really big adrenaline rush. Yeah. I, we, we did, uh, with career life, we did uh, a standing start autocross at Blackhawk last year. Um, and it was, uh, going into it. I thought I've never, I'd never done it before. And I thought, eh, this will be fine, whatever. Uh, and it was like the most memorable runs I've probably ever had. Uh, just because it was so intense, uh, and I wanted to beat our time our time attack director Abram so badly, <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, uh, it was very very fun. I, I'm uh, I, I would uh, I would definitely recommend to you know track day guys and wheel to wheel guys don't dismiss that aspect of it. It's uh, it doesn't suck. So now Hayward, under a format like that, if there is an experienced driver that say can't make it on Saturday or until Saturday night for the party and then the Sunday competition portion. Um, you know, is there any requirement to have to be there for both days? So from a scoring standpoint, we're going to score these as your best time from your track cross runs on Saturday afternoon, plus your best time from Sunday morning's lapping sessions, plus your best time from the, uh, the track cross on Sunday afternoon. So okay. it's uh, kind of solo national style scoring best time plus best time plus best time equals total time, lowest total time wins. So um, if somebody did want to skip, the uh, practice sessions on Saturday, but they already had an, a racing license. So if you already have a SCCA time trials or competition racing license, or if you have a racing license from another sanctioning body, um, you know, theoretically you could bypass that. But uh, you know, the idea is that we want to create a weekend long experience um, with these two kind of primer events. We can talk about the national event kind of in a little bit of a different space, but um, we want to create an experience where you get to come to the track and, and have a full weekend experience and do so in this kind of experiential programs model of, you know, yeah, there's going to be some winners and losers, but really what this is about is setting a mark. And now when you come back to this track a couple of years or a couple of weeks or whatever it is later, and you've made changes to your car, you've developed as a driver, you can go back and do these elements again and see where you stack up compared to where you were last time. Okay. 
Yeah. Now, for the regions that already have uh, time trials program in place, I know you mentioned earlier Texas has a pretty good program as well as the Southeast. Um, will they be following this format, or did this format come from what they're already currently doing? So the the there's a couple of different formats. Texas does kind of trend towards that track cross format, I believe. Um, Southeast is more on the 20 minute time session uh, format, but you know each have their own kind of rule sets, and and that's awesome and we're not really looking to disrupt that in any way what we're really looking to do is um have a product that other parts of the country can can emulate quickly and easily and if programs that have established or regions that have established programs want to continue with their established program um that's absolutely perfect and awesome and great and uh if they want to integrate the our classes into their program that's awesome and great and there's 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 a lot of different ways to slice it okay yeah i mean for me that's that's really exciting because you know i've participated with different organizations and you know moved around from region to region just as my career took me different places and there were some things that were very similar in some regions within the same organization but also different you know so it's interesting and i think it's a good idea what you guys are doing you're kind of letting people know what they're going to get you know, whenever they show up to a similar style event in any region that they may end up moving to or deciding to compete in. Yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of times people look at autocross in SCCA and they think, well, there's no consistency. You know, Atlanta region runs a split day. So you either run the morning or the afternoon and uh, this other region runs a full day and this region you get three runs and this region you get four runs. And then uh, this region once a year does a 24 hour event where you can take as many runs as you want to. And, and it's, it's all over the place, but at the core, you hit a cone, it's a two second penalty, mm-hmm. your preparation rules and, and classing um, the, how you score a DNF, the safety requirements, all of those things are extremely consistent at this point in time. And right. so, um, I think that we're kind of looking to model that same type of idea where, hey, here's the basics and, and and put your own spin, put your own sauce on it. But here's the basics. And that's been very successful with autocross. And, and with autocross, the national championship event started in 1972. Uh, Pro Solo kind of was created through the 80s. And then the national tour, which is now divided the champ and match tour. Uh, started, I think, in the, the late 80s, early 90s, but in that, that general time frame. So this was a very slow march to a comprehensive offering of products. And, and we're kind of on a similar path where it's, hey, let's build this one event. Let's build this time trials nationals event that can be a house on the hill that, that regions can emulate and borrow from. That can be the test mule. That, that can be where we try things. Um, and then let the rest of the country decide what they want to take from that what they want to do with that and, and so that's that's kind of the, the the mindset the model okay i know just a second ago we were talking about penalties and things like that for cones with autocross um are there any sort of similar rules for for time trials that will be kind of emulated in all regions and you know coming down from the national event as far as you know say dropping two wheels off at dqs or anything like that so we're actually just barely starting those conversations. The first, okay. the first official meeting on operational rules happened yesterday. Um, we've been pretty focused right now on getting the classing for time trials nationals uh, where we want it to be. We had a a launch of the initial draft of the rules uh, middle of February, towards the end of February, and we're had about 140, 150 people offer us feedback on those. And so we're kind of going through the classing and and preparation level rules and making the adjustments that are being asked for. And, um, yeah, so we we put this out basically as a framework for a conversation. Here's what we think is a good starting point for this conversation. Tell us what you think. And we're super fortunate to have in this organization um, a lot of really intelligent people that understand rules writing processes and what we're trying to do and, and are willing to help us. And then we also have are getting great feedback from people who have done grid life or um, ultimate streetcar challenge or other things that are looking at the rules saying, hey, I'm interested in this concept. I'm interested in this event, but I don't fit exactly how into what you guys have built. What do you think of this? And so now we're in this process of trying to respond to that when and I think um, I think that's probably next this is coming out on Friday so probably next week um, you'll probably see some communications from us that uh, 
that show where we're going with the changes. And, and, and of course, I'd be happy to talk to you guys about those. Yeah. Like what were yeah, some what, of what were some of the big things that you guys had a lot of people communicating with you that they would like to see changed in the proposed rules? So it's interesting because I think one of the things that is going on in motorsports and SCC in particular is this idea of class proliferation and that, um, you know, there's so many classes in autocross and so many race classes in club racing and, and other places. And we came out with a 17 class structure. Um, and our thought, our intention was that, that the first level, the bottom level would be basic off the shelf bolt on stuff and working with our partners at tire rack, uh, create a rule set where, there's an inclusion list for everything. So it's not necessarily a spec, uh, like a spec Miata or a, a solo spec coupe kind of thing, but it's a, here's the list you can choose from. And, um, we've gotten very, very little pushback on that concept. Everybody seems to be basically on board with the idea of level one being catback exhaust, a cold air intake off the shelf sport or lowering spring kit, in, com in its completion, you can't mix and match. Um, Off-the-shelf sway bar kit, um, no, and then uh, an off-the-shelf steel-bodied single adjustment point uh, sh shock. So no mixing and matching, um, and everybody's like, yeah, that makes sense. That's cool. I'm, I'm good with that. So we've, we've gotten a couple of, you know, hey, look at your wording on sway bar type feedback type things, but overall um, – Super great buy-in there. Yeah. Our second level is kind of the the slightly more wild, but still totally a streetable streetcar. Um, and our thoughts there are whatever shock you want, whether it's multiple adjustment points, aluminum threaded body, coilover kit, however you want to go, um, we would allow uh, a lot more ECU tuning and headers and high-flow cats. Um, we would allow... Just kind of that next – instead of at level one where everything is kind of a – you need to buy something that is mass-produced, readily available. You don't have to figure it out. You can go to Home Depot and buy a toolkit and put the stuff on your car, and you're going to be 95% of the way there. Level two was more of a, yeah, you're probably going to need to put the car in a dyno and get it tuned, and you're probably going to need scales to get it corner-weighted, and you're probably going to need um, – to go through some alignment tuning to figure out exactly how you want it to be. So it's a little bit more of a tinkerer tuner space as opposed to a, a brainless bolt on and go space. And I say brainless bolt on and go in a, I have two kids and I don't have time for all that crap at level two. So I'm interested in level one, uh, kind of environments. Yeah. And then we had the, the levels three and four were really intended to be more of a race car environment. So level three, our thought was uh, – oh, and, and one more thing at level two. Um, level two is an all-stock internals space. So you can't no do cams. You, no built engines, no, no aftermarket force induction. But we would allow you to swap stock for stock motors. So you could put uh, a – different Civic engine in your Civic. You could take a one, uh, a first generation NA Miata and put, uh, the VVTI motor out of the, the two car or something like that. Those, those things would be allowed provided it was all stock internals. And then we would class the cars based on displacement and weight uh, to try to find, you know, so that you're actually being classed on what you're presenting. Um, yeah. and, and we got, some pushback there. We've gotten some really good feedback there. We're, we're looking at a couple of different places we could go with that. Um, but level three and four was where is where we're doing the work. And and originally the idea for level three was if you've built your motor, if you've done aftermarket force induction, or if you're driving a relatively, let's just say mild race car, you probably end up at level three. Uh, levels one and two are 200 tread wear. Level three is open wheels, open tires, run wherever you want. And then level four was kind of a unlimited space where we would have one class that you had to be a production tub um, from shocks, shock tower to shock tower in the car. Uh, you had to be 2,400 pounds or more, and that was basically it. And then the other class, as long as you had a production car silhouette, go for it. Um, and what we found, what we've gotten the strongest feedback on is that our level three – 
it's not a matter of lap time. It's not a matter of um, potential of the cars. It is really a matter of culture and kind of a tribalism thing of people who have built high performance street cars. Yeah. And, yeah. and people who have built real race cars really don't want to race against each other. Even if the, even if it's a totally fair fight, um, there is, there is a cultural gap between those two. And so what we're looking at doing is having level three now be, um, really about the, the kind of crazy build street cars where, where our rules, and I don't think this is how we're actually going to write it, but just for simplicity's sake, where our rules basically come down to, you have a minimum weight, you have to be able to get a license plate. You have to run on 200 treadwear tires, go. Mm-hmm. And then level four, broadening that out a little bit so that that's a home for not, o- not only the unlimited crazy go as far as you want to build, but it also creates some space for cars that were initially built for wheel-to-wheel competition. Um, because that's a different build philosophy than a how yeah. fast can you how crazy can you go street build right yeah yeah with, with rules like this you you know and, and when we talked in person uh, a little while ago uh, your rules committee and uh, and some of you know some of us uh, we uh, I understand the, the the awkward spot that you guys are put in because it's like you know you're really trying to connect too many dots, but then you don't want to connect all the dots. And there's, there's already a lot of series, you know, for some of these cars and you want to have a place for them to play, but you also want to have a place for the track night in America guy to play who has, you know, a stock Mustang and good tires, you know? So, Um, so for us, it was super easy when we break it down to this simple statement, everything gets easy. And the simple statement is, Time trials is about the quest for speed. And the reason that that makes it so easy is that every existing SCCA rule set, with very few exceptions, seeks to provide parity. You know, Spec Miata is the ultimate example of a rule set designed to provide parity. Every car there yeah. should be the same. Um, but when you look at production class rules where you have limited prep and full prep and weights and wheel limitations and things like that, that's about making a fair playing field. And when you look in, in the autocross world um, with the minimum weights and, and things like that, those are all, all about creating in, in prepared classes and, and whatnot. That's about creating parity. And we want to create an environment that encourages development, that encourages creativity, and that allows people to continually measure themselves first against themselves. If you've been to a track and you're going back to a track and you have been creative and you have developed and you've made your car better, now you have a way to measure first against yourself. And whether you look at uh, areas like uh, 5Ks and 10Ks and marathons or Tough Mudder and mountain bike racing, more and more of Americans' competition culture is first about the personal experience. Did you complete the course? Did you better your personal best? That's what you ask somebody who goes to one of those events. You don't ask them, how did you finish in your age group or how did you finish in this? It's, did you do the thing that was important to you? And to me, time trials is the place that SCCA can can dabble in that. And so just by ask, just by holding to that simple philosophy of, time trials is about the quest for speed and that that quest is first personal um, and your ability to challenge yourself has really provided a tremendous amount of clarity for us because we don't feel an immediate obligation to find a home, a competitive home for every iteration of every club racing and autocross car. Those cars have identities in other programs and we want to engage them. We want them to participate because but we want them to participate because the owners that are running in those series see this as a different flavor of challenge. And, you know, within this, this whole culture, one of the things that we have the opportunity to, to bring in is record keeping on all of those different preparations. So it may be, um, and, and let me know if I've gone too deep here, but it may be that at a time trials nationals, we've got 17 classes that are running for an, a, a, a class championship at time trials nationals. But we might have 60, 70 SCCA class records 
that are being challenged at that event. We may have somebody who sets a class record for C Street Prepared. We may have somebody that sets a record for H Production. Um, we might have somebody that has a car that's legal for D Prepared and Autocross and F Production in Club Racing that sets the record for both of them at the same time. Um, and I think that as we go into this event in kind of a five to 10 year view and talk about partner involvement, going to this event and setting the fastest time within a rule set uh, is a relevant measure, whether it's one of the 17 classes that's being awarded at that event, or if it's something from another SCCA rule set, or if it's something super radical, like the fastest time ever for an LS powered car, or the fastest time ever for a car, uh, for a CRX, however you want to prepare it. Um, and if you put an LS and a CRX and you're eligible for both of them. Okay. I, I, I love the simplicity of, uh, of time trials. Um, and I love that attitude of, uh, you know, really going against yourself. Um, so that's the thing that gets me excited about this, uh, this particular event and potentially the future of, of, uh, SCCA time trials really. So, yeah, we're, we're really looking for 17 classes that can allow any production based vehicle, a, a place to play, but we're not, we're trying very hard not to step on the slippery slope of creating a classing structure where everybody has an opportunity to be competitive. It, it's just not realistic. It's not appropriate. Um, it's but realistic we can, if you, if you do 60 classes, <laughs> maybe, um, <laughs> maybe, maybe a hundred, yeah. but we fastest, can, but we, fastest guy named Jim, you know, you can have a lot of different classes. <laughs> there was a discussion today at lunch about, could we have a, a record for fastest time by a guy named Frank? Um, <laughs> and my answer was go find a hot dog company that wants to have a fastest Frank award and, uh, we'll make it happen. That, that's, uh, that's, that's excellent. I'd change my name for that. Yeah. Done. I mean, it, it sounds like you guys are kind of pulling from your experience running different types of uh, competition environments and kind of, I don't want to say righting the wrongs, but, you know, seeing the pain of, you know, having to have a class where people feel competitive with whatever they're driving and going yeah, back I, and being able to kind of, like you said earlier, it's a, a full like white sheet on, you know, if we could do it right uh, or not right, if we could do it the way that we envision it working the best for what we want to do, this is what we would do. Sure. And really what we're talking about is a three day event at NCM Motorsports Park in Bowling Green, Kentucky and September 27, 28, 29. And on October 1st, we're going to sit down and start the process over again. Um, we're not creating necessarily an entire program right now. We're focused on putting together the best possible event we can. And you're right. We do have an opportunity to right some wrongs, but we have a more valuable opportunity to pull together everything that SCC has done over the last 74 and a half years um, and take all the, bring all the wins in. And I think that's a really important distinction between SCCA's time trial programs and everybody else. Everybody else that's done time trials, uh, in in, and I will I will give the caveat that Grid Life is probably the exception here, um, because I think Grid Life really did kind of happen in this organic, out of its own space kind of thing, and and is you know, I I could we could do an entire podcast on what I think about Grid Life and why I love it and think it's so cool, um, <laughs> but the. Everybody else, in order to start a motorsports program in North America, has first sought out to not be SCCA. And when you first do that, when your first step is, okay, we have to differentiate ourselves from those guys, then you pretty much take the baby in the bathwater and throw them out the window at the same time. And we have the opportunity, because we're not trying to differentiate, that we can look at club racing and look at a rule and look at STL, which is a wildly popular class and say, okay, what makes this work? Or we can go to autocross and say, okay, what makes street touring work? Or we can go look at all of these different things and pull together little pieces of rule sets here and there. And just by the virtue of the fact that we can be the best of what SCCA can do, as opposed to having to differentiate ourselves, I think that's a huge opportunity for us to put together something um, that is a really high quality product. It makes a lot of sense to me. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, many organizations really do get started, uh, trying to be different than the oldest which, one. So. Which, which, which is, which is actually kind of tying back to the beginning of the conversation where I acknowledge that some of our officials are maybe a little bit grumpy and maybe that has something to do with the process of seeking out to start an organization to not be SECA. But the reality <laughs> is it's um, probably not far off in some cases. Yeah. But the reality <laughs> is, you know, that there's. There's an awful lot of SCCA that works. Um, yeah, you know, we're going to be going to be celebrating our 75th uh, anniversary as an organization next year. Uh, we just had the largest runoffs in the history of, uh, of of the organization at 969 drivers. We're had 1,300 people at run, at Solo Nationals for the last two years. Um, by the way, runoffs is going to Sonoma uh, for 2018 which it's always great to go to the West Coast and have an opportunity to kind of engage some club racers that might not be able to make the haul all the way to Indianapolis or Daytona or Road America or whatnot. But, and then next year, 2019, um, the runoffs is coming to uh, VIR. And we just did a survey a couple of weeks ago to kind of get an idea of how much paddock space we were going to need at VIR and, and what we needed to start preparing for. And that survey data and the survey data for Indy was dead on in predicting what we were going to get at Indy. The survey data for VIR right now is strongly suggesting that it could be the biggest runoffs we've ever had. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of, of exciting things going on, you know, and, and in your position, you know, as director of uh, experiential events. I mean, I think you have a, a large portion to do with that. You know, I, I know you probably don't want to like toot your own horn, but well, I, I have I have a really great team. Um, you know, we we have the full team right now. Uh, the marketing and experiential programs team represents at the, the national level about a dozen people, and we have them all in the office this week for our first quarter planning meeting and, and strategic planning and whatnot. And we had a, an offsite meeting this morning where we talked about a, a whole bunch of stuff and just the amount of passion and talent that's in that room um you know we have john krolowitz who is a 20 plus year scca member who's raced at the runoffs raced at solo nationals um he took on the assignment last year of driving the mobile on camaro from the solo nationals to the road rally national championship event which happened in alaska and then back to indianapolis motor speedway and that was the highlight of his year um professionally so Definitely a glutton for punishment. Um, we have Tom Gorman in the room who has tremendous experience at all levels of competition. Um, we have, you know, I've been an SCCA member my whole life. Solo National Championship was kind of a life goal for about a decade in, in there. Um, Andy Alban is a second generation SCCA member as well. Her dad's on the board of directors. She grew up in it, lives it, eats it, breathes it, knows it inside and out. And the opportunity to kind of work with the with this team that is coming to this organization because of a love of SCCA and a love of motorsport. Um, you know, Randall Prince is involved, longtime autocrosser. Jennifer McAbee, who's heavy and heavily involved in track night, grew up racing quarter midgets. There's there's just so much motorsports DNA in that room that you can't help but be excited about it. And the thing that's super exciting about it for me is that five years ago, every conversation that we were having was about competition programs and how do we improve the competition programs through process. And now we've got this room full of people that are so ingrained in had been so ingrained in process and competition that are now sitting around and having conversations about how do we elevate the overall experience what, how do we make this fun for everyone? And that's the part of it that's really cool. And, and I've just been, you know, yeah, obviously I put a lot of work into it. Obviously I've got a few, a few hours and fingerprints on things, but it's being able to pull together that team. Um, and then frankly, when we go in, to the highest level and we have a conversation where the, the executive committee for the organization um, you know, Mike Cobb, our new CEO, came in as an established autocrosser and, and Texas region member. We just hired Chris Robbins, who's been a longtime autocrosser and, and also a Texas guy, uh, to do our region development department. Eric Prill is a second-generation guy. Um, finally, finally, finally got a runoff national championship this year at Indy, and you couldn't ask for anything more storybook than Eric's 
challenge of, of trying to win a national championship over a couple of decades and, and being so close so many times, but not quite there. And then finally checks the box on the grand at the grandest scale you can. So, um, you know, these conversations that are happening in the office now are really happening with people that not only have a deep love and passion for the organization, but also have tremendous firsthand experience of what we're good at and what we're not good at and, and where we need to improve and, and kind of tying back to the time trials thing. Um, having that caliber of people involved in those conversations um, and then taking that, the, the ideas that that caliber of people can produce and putting it out into the world and saying, Hey, give us your thoughts. And then being able to go through those and hone and craft and, and tweak and get really, you know, we had a call uh, the other night where everybody came in with one opinion. And by the end of the call, everyone had switched their opinion <laughs> based on the feedback that we had gotten from the community. And, you know, that's, that's kind of where we are. So I think, you know, to your point, I, I, I think that this is a great time for our organization because we've been able to build some teams that think about things in unique and new ways. And, and, uh, I'm really excited about it. As a, as an SCCA member and competitor, I'm, I'm excited about the future for it. I think it's going to be very cool. Um, what, uh, you said next week or so, the, like the semifinal draft of rules will be out and, uh, and classic. Yeah. I think what we're looking at right now is probably next week we will put out the update to the rules that kind of has this level three super street car terminology plugged into it. Um, and then shortly thereafter, we'll have the first draft of operational rules. Um, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. Uh, I think one of them is going to be that you have to tape a spoon to the hood of your car and put an egg in the spoon as the egg comes out during the session. Your time doesn't count. That, just <laughs> simple stuff like that. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, um, we had been targeting April 1st as our registration opening date and all final rules and, and ready to go. But one um, – we want to make sure we get the classing and prep levels right. And so we want to take a little more time to dig into that because of the quality feedback that we got. Uh, and if you haven't seen these, you can go to scca.com and click on programs and go to time trials and that will get you, uh, to all these things and you can see what we're working on. Um, and so that's delayed the start of the operational rules. Um, but we also, um, want to make sure that we get to the site and test some different configurations and be able to let people know before registration, what the track course track cross layouts will be and what the configurations will be for the different sessions. And, uh, the month of March has proved to be a pretty big challenge to try to get some time at the track to do that. So we're looking to do that in April with a May one registration date. Okay. So you guys have a level one, two, three, and four. If somebody like a Scott Tucker shows up, uh, would they be in a theoretical level five? Is that how that's going to work? Huh? We had never, we'd never thought of that when drawing the line at level four, that, that never, never crossed our mind. Um, it is important. I, you know, one of the, the kind of controversial points of all of this is that SCCA does have a rich history of formula car and sports racer racing. And for time trials nationals, uh, our intention is to be fully, um, production based. And okay. part of that is an event operations thing. Um, we can't put a formula car on sports racer on track with a production based car. And it it right. gives us a lot more ability to be efficient with the event. Uh, part of that is philosophy. Um, part of it is demand. Um, but regions who or divisions that want to adopt these rules in whole or in part, we will have a component um, of that that addresses formula cars and sports racers so that the regions that choose to integrate that. Uh, have the ability to do so. And, and I suppose um, we could call that level five. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting, <laughs> interesting space. Sorry, I just, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. So awesome. Well, you know, I think there, yeah. there's a lot of big things that are going to be going to be happening this year. And I, I can't wait to see how everything pans out. You know, I'm, I'm actually I'm really hoping that I can make uh, time trials nationals just to, to come and hang out. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. 
I'm I'm hoping to uh, to get a spot to actually drive a car and then have a goal to have a car by then. So. You know, and, and I'll be honest too. I've never in my whole life. You know, I'm 30 now. I've never been a member of the SECA. And even though I don't per drive same. anymore, I kind of want to join just to support what you guys are doing. Well, and uh, I think it, it is very cool to see things uh, changing, but also, you know, trying to keep, uh, you know, what has kept people there, trying to keep that intact. But then, you know, try to keep uh, the people from leaving also um, a very, very cool time. So. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and uh, Austin, I, I your your point there, I think, is a really important one that I do want to underline, and that is that. SCCA membership for so long has been marketed and talked about and presented and thought of as a requirement to do something that I love to do. I have to be an SCCA member so that I can race on a racetrack. I have to be an SCCA member so that I can compete for a national championship or so that my points get scored in the series or whatever the, the carrot I'm chasing happens to be. And in all of this that we're talking about with fun with cars and the culture of the organization and driving it to the experience, to me, I think SCCA experience first needs to be a statement of what you believe in. You know, I, I believe in the driving as a recreation. I believe that cars are awesome. I believe that, uh, three pedals is better than two. Um, however you frame it to me, when you go out and you buy, a Porsche or a Miata or an FRS or a BRZ or whatever it is. Um, and we see those cars in the wild. We tend to change where we're walking to be able to peer into it and see what the little stick between the seats looks like. And if it's one that looks like it changes gears, then we're like, cool, that's one of us. And if you go by the car and it's got a slush box, then you're like, Oh man, so close. What a waste. Right. And to <laughs> me, having an SCCA sticker on that car or having the SCCA sticker on the, I drive a pickup truck to work because that's what I tow my race car with, but I want the world to know that I have a race car and how am I going to do that? Right. You know, having that SCCA sticker to me is as much a statement about who you are as anything else. So I think, you know, your, your notion of, I want to be a member because I believe in what you guys believe in and I see where you're going and I want to be a part of it. That's what our membership should be based on. That's the whole that's the whole point of this. Right. I mean, you know, for for the longest time now, there's always been this thing where, you know, for some reason, people are always saying people just aren't into cars anymore. But really, I think there's tons of people that are, are still into cars um, and having fun with cars and, you know, joining an organization like the SCCA. It's kind of, you know, a statement of the fact that you believe in that, like what you were talking about earlier. You know, it's it's another full hour show that we can do sometime. But for me, um, the most exciting thing on the on the horizon in motorsports is autonomous cars, because if driving recreationally outside of a racetrack goes away because there's a mandate that cars must be autonomous. I don't think that's realistic, by the way. But if that were our environment, um, the mountain biking industry is born out of the idea that bikes are no longer a required form of transportation. Right. Um, you know, the, yeah. the same thing with, with riding horses and equestrian standing you know? with riding horses. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that the most exciting time in motorsport is going to be when driving enthusiasts have to gather somewhere to drive enthusiastically. And, uh, <laughs> that that's going to be a really cool, um, dynamic should it come into play. So I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up about it. Yeah. It's going to be one of those things, you know, like back, back a while ago, every, almost everybody knew how to drive a manual transmission. Then as the advent yeah. of the automatic, you know, it kind of became more and more rare. I foresee a time in the future where, you know, people are surprised that you know how to actually drive a, a car, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fired up for my tow rig to drive me home. After that's exactly yeah, it. That's yeah. going to be the best. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what, an interesting take on uh, on the view of uh, the doom of uh, doom and gloom uh, autonomy. Uh, that yeah, does can, make a lot of sense. That would be the golden age yeah, of imagine, racing drivers. Imagine just being able <laughs> to you, sleep on the way back from Road Atlanta to Chicago after a grid life event. Oh, oh. that'd be amazing. <laughs> can, can you imagine a better world than sitting on your laptop, finishing up your Friday work, having yeah. a couple of drinks, going in the back, having sleeping a good night's sleep, waking up the next morning parked in front of the track, playing with callers all day weekend, all weekend, loaded up on Sunday afternoon, get back in the toter and wake up in your driveway. 
Man, it, then, then then I wouldn't almost crash the rig when the, when the buddies <laughs> hand me too hot of uh, of Totino's pizza rolls like I did on there the way to last year. There you go. So yeah, I'm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, you know, just a little topic. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Interesting take on that too, man. I uh, I, I love the I love the positive uh, vibes coming from all this. This is uh, this is rad. Yeah. So no, Hayward, we we really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, to to come on the show today. Um, where can people find out more if they want to find out more? A about the SCCA and all the different things that you're doing, but also more specifically the you know the time trials nationals. So a, a couple of websites that are great to check out. The first one is scca.com. Um, there is a programs tab on the front page that will tell you about autocross or road racing or time trials or hill climb or track events or road rally or rally cross. And I probably forgot one, um, but that's a great place to start to find out how you get involved. Another great page on that site. Um, there's a button on the front page that says find your fun. You can go to that and put in your zip code and the type of event you're interested in, and it will spit out the events that are in your area. Um, so those are both great resources. And then uh, the other page that uh, you want to make sure that you check out is tracknightinamerica.com. We opened all of our track night events on March 1st, and I don't want to uh, freak anybody out here, hashtag humble, humble brag, um, but we sold about 10% of our uh, entry of our registration inventory. So the number of registration available, we sold about 10% of them on the first day registration was open. Wow. Very um, cool. it's, it's no sellout in 45 seconds. Like I'm not trying to say we're in that space. Uh, I don't want to be in that space anymore. No, it's no. a bad space to be in. <laughs> um, but you know, this year we're yeah. going to, this year we've got about 10,000, um, registrations available and, cool. uh, about 10% of them are already gone. So, wow. um, it's uh, if you're interested in those events, check out dragnightinamerica.com. All events for the season are open now, so you can go ahead and register for your August event at Blackhawk if that's uh, if that's the one that works for you. Um, and then I, I do have to make a quick plug for our good friends at the Tire Rack, who uh, really make Track Night possible and uh, have been huge technical partner assistance to us in. Uh, the creation of the time trials program and, and those rules. Those guys are, are awesome. So if you need uh, wheels, tires, brake suspension, uh, they are the go-to. Awesome. Never heard of them. Nope. Never heard never, of them. Never, never, <laughs> ever. So, well, final question from me, Hayward. If you had to have one vehicle um, to compete in a variety of SCCA competitions or just driving events, uh, what would you pick? Uh, it's actually a... F- it's a really awesome question. I think I know the answer already, just knowing you. But let's hear it. Let, let's hear. It. I want. I want to guess from each of you. I mean, I think it's going to be some sort of EF Honda or a CRX or yeah. a, a Honda hatchback of some sort. I think it's going to be an S two thousand because that's what he just bought himself last yeah? year. <laughs> so if it's me, maybe the answer is a little bit different. But conceptually. Um, we just launched the solo spec coupe concept yeah, in our autocross yeah. program that's based on the BRZ and FRS with a spec spring and a spec shock and a spec bar. And uh, the last time I talked to our, our guys at the tire rack, over 60 kits had been sold. Wow. Um, and I think it has our attention in time trials. We're thinking about giving some classing cons- uh, consideration for it. Uh, We've heard, um, and I'm totally leaking top secret information here that you guys cannot share with your listeners. Um, but we've heard we've heard that it has the attention of the road racing program, and that they're thinking about just based on the initial sales success whether or not that exact same package uh, should should find its way into club racing. And so I think if you are truly looking for a does it all, you can fit it, set a fit a wheel set. Fit a set of wheels and tires in it. You can drive it every day to work. You can autocross it. You can time trial it. Um, maybe you can put a bar in it and hill climb it. Um, that's the that's the one. Um, but if it's just me and it's just for fun, um, yeah, it's going to be the EF chassis. And, I and, knew it. Uh, we, I knew it. <laughs> we can we can debate we can debate motors and we can debate uh, all those things. I love my S two thousand. I love that um, my kid. Uh, wants to ride to preschool in it every day and he wants me to park it out front with the top down and when it's time to leave he hangs himself out of the car and screams bye at everyone <laughs> at the preschool which he doesn't do with Later, the minivan, and I'm not sure why I'm not sure why but uh, 
Um, but but when it comes to driving something at, at 11 tenths, I'm a whole lot more comfortable yeah. in an EF. Well, you're in good company because, you know, Adam and I, Adam obviously has a lot of experience with EFs. I talked about one for a while, but just this Friday, uh, I was talking to Adam about potentially buying another S2000 or an FRS BRZ. So, yeah, yeah, yeah we, yep. had, we had quite a lengthy conversation. Yep. You almost sold me on the new the new BRZ. Yeah, the new the 2017, the 2017 plus BRZs after talking to some of the guys that run uh, a specific uh, 8.6 chassis challenge out here with huh. the track day organization. So interesting. Uh, 2017 and up obviously has a few different changes to it, which is also why I believe that it's only 13 to 16 for that SCCA SSC class. That is correct. So, well, it, it, uh, it, it's been a cool conversation, man. We, uh, I'm, I'm a little uh, excited that I renewed my SCC membership last week now. Yeah. And actually I think this next paycheck, I'm going to go and buy a membership. So we, we're not that expensive. Nope. So and, and I'll, I'll I'll give a little tease. We've been working with a lot of partners, and we haven't announced anything yet. But um, we're working on some member benefits uh, for this next twelve month period that I think is going to really change the way people think about an SCCA membership, and maybe have uh, looked at some other membership organizations and how they organize their member benefits. But I think um, I think there's some cool stuff coming there. So. Um, Adam, I'm just going to say, if you want to go ahead and do your next renewal uh, in April, you're welcome to do that and take advantage of all those things. <laughs> okay. And uh, and Austin, we'd love to have you and, and love to have your listeners. It's um, I think it's uh, pretty did cool. You, did you pick up that sweet Delta discount that the, the NRA, NRA, NRA dropped recently? Or <laughs> I've been advised <laughs> not to. I've been advised not to speak about anything involving other membership organizations during the political climate. <laughs> No, it's funny, you know, I just just joined AAA, so I didn't have to sit at the DMV. You know, I don't plan on my car braking and needing a or like AAA things a lot, but I did just have to register a motorcycle and it saved me literally two hours at the DMV, which was more than worth the membership. So, uh, you know, if FCCA can do similar things for my life, even though I'm not competing, uh, that would be amazing. Stay stay tuned. All right. Uh, Very cool. Very cool. Well, we appreciate well, it. Thanks for tonight, sir. We, uh, we appreciate it, yeah. Yeah, thanks My so pleasure. much. My pleasure. And uh, I'd like to apologize for stepping on Austin, and he can apologize for stepping on me, but Skype is hard. But uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a good mood. No need to great. apologize. You sounded great, Hayward. <laughs> <laughs> Always a pleasure to speak with you guys, and uh, I look forward to seeing you in uh, Bowling Green, if not before. And uh, let's definitely stay connected on this stuff because I think that what you guys do and what your listeners do and the direction that we're going as an organization have uh, have a lot in common. And uh, we, we want to make sure that you guys are welcome guests in our home and vice versa. All right. Well, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. There'd just be a lot of a lot of silence. Yeah, a lot of uh, uh, well, uh. That is a new kind of podcast. The sound of silence. Maybe the, we should the sound do that. Of thinking. We should put out a podcast that just has nothing on it. It's just uh, white. They'd probably noise. get downloads. <laughs> they probably would. What if we what? did a white noise podcast? Yeah, that's not a bad idea. What if my, 